Hello, welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. On today's episode, I am talking with McAllister's Deli president, Joe Guth, who offers some detail about how the brand has doubled its service channels during the pandemic and invested so much in digital that it's increased its loyalty program more than sevenfold in the last year. Before I get into that conversation, though, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Lamb Weston, your partner in answering the call for crispy fries. Lamb Weston understands how crucial delivery and takeout are to your business. They also know that there's nothing worse than soggy fries, especially when your reputation rests on those fries. But not to worry, Lamb Weston is on the case with an entire portfolio of coated fries that hold their crispiness from your door to your guests. And now through April 30th, they're offering a free takeout and delivery toolkit along with a $10 per case rebate on all 26 varieties of Lamb Weston coated fries. Lamb Weston is here to answer your call for crispy, so visit callforcrispy.com to take advantage. That's callforcrispy.com. All right, now back to this episode of Fast Forward. You know, service has obviously been a regular theme here on Fast Forward, and for good reason. I mean, the COVID-19 pandemic has forced restaurants to really rethink how they get their food into customers' hands, and that, combined with the incredible digital innovation that's out there in the last year and before, has led some brands to get really creative with their service. You know, you're probably getting sick of me talking about this, but I spend so much of my time drawing lines between quick service, fast casual, casual dining, fine dining, and the last year has really erased all of those lines between the categories with the help of the new technology and, of course, with consumers' changed behaviors because of COVID. Of course, that's not a bad thing. You know, there's real opportunity here for restaurants of all service models to innovate, and that's exactly what McAllister's is doing. Prior to the pandemic, McAllister's was doing your traditional dine-in, carry-out, third-party delivery kind of model, and it was also testing curbside. And after the pandemic, it's expanded those service channels to include direct delivery, system-wide curbside, and even table-side delivery, where the guests sit down in the restaurant, order from their phones, and have their food brought out to them. McAllister's has managed all of this with a robust digital evolution, one that has led its digital sales to more than double in the last year, and its loyalty program to, again, grow seven times the size of what it was pre-pandemic. I get into that digital innovation with President Joe Guth in this conversation, and we also talk about how the new service formats have changed McAllister's growth trajectory, how the brand has found efficiencies in its model, and how it plans to become the next billion-dollar brand. As always, go to qsrmagazine.com for all the news and insights you need on the QSR and fast casual restaurant industries. And if you ever want to talk, share your perspective, or share some feedback on this podcast, email me at sam at qsrmagazine.com. All right, jumping now into this conversation with McAllister's Deli President Joe Guth, and I started by asking Joe about McAllister's strategy before COVID arrived last March. So we had made decent progress over the last call it two to three years, but we knew we needed to upgrade our overall guest experience and overhaul the loyalty program pretty dramatically. So that decision was made along with our franchisees in mid-2019. So there was quite a bit of work that went into that. And fortunately for us, that platform launched in February of 2020. So roughly four weeks before COVID hit. Wow. 
yeah, good timing. <laughs> it seems like a lot of this stuff was, you know, for the restaurant industry, specifically fast casuals, it felt like, you know, not to say uh, there's ever a good time for a pandemic, but the fact that there were so many digital channels available to the fast casual industry, including third-party delivery, I really just can't imagine what things would have been like in 2010 or something like that. So, I mean, it was, was digital innovation really, I mean, how much were you prioritizing, I guess, at that point? It was the number one priority, even pre-COVID for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We knew that from research with our guests, that accessibility of the McAllister's brand was a major issue. And so not in ter- just in terms of the order modes, but also in terms of our, our speed. So we knew that that was a high priority. People love us for our hospitality. They love us for our food, but we just weren't convenient enough. So we knew that was a big platform for us. And, and, Obviously, with the advent of COVID, uh, that became even more important. So, yes, the timing was was very fortuitous for us, but it was not uh, a pivot, if you will. It was an acceleration of of where we were headed in the first place. Yeah. So what were some of the quick adaptations you had to make? Because, of course, you know, first you have those first couple of weeks of COVID where there's so much uncertainty. Restaurants didn't even know if it was transmitting by food. We just didn't really know. But, you know, once restaurants started to get back on their feet, started to be able to make some adaptations and survive this thing, what did that look like for McAllister's? So McAllister's was a, call it, 55% dine-in concept Mm. at lunch. So we were definitely not in a sweet spot as it related to the pandemic. But the good news for us is, is we have uh, a really fantastic brand team. We have great franchisees. And probably the number one pivot was we were going to evaluate curbside over the course of 2020 to increase our accessibility. Well, that got dramatically accelerated to the point where we deployed this to over 350 restaurants within two weeks of the pandemic hitting. And even now today, it represents a double digit mix for us and has significantly enhanced our convenience for guests. And we are going to continue to evolve that experience going forward in terms of making it even more convenient for operators and guests going forward. But it, it was a huge win for us. And I'm not sure you know, where we would be without it. This might sound like a stupid question, but, you know, kind of getting into some of the nuts and bolts of it, you know, curbside, if you just kind of think of it broadly, it might seem like sort of a simple thing, right? You know, somebody drives up, parks in a spot, somebody from the restaurant runs the order out to them. But obviously, there's some complexity there. And especially in making this uh, work very, you know, um, seamlessly and, and efficiently, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot going on in the background. What does the curbside platform look like for McAllister's? How complex does it have to be? I think it is mostly related to the on the ground operations and Mm -hmm. and getting that stood up. And so it was a lot of work from the team to educate uh, our frontline team members on how to manage that as it comes through on our order display system. What are the procedures that we should be doing? We were getting very innovative, if you will. Some people were pulling uh, point of sale, uh, units out to the curbside actually and setting up tents and and putting up signage it was far more of a guest awareness because dining rooms were shut down mm-hmm. and like, as you know and so uh, there was some bandwidth to redeploy obviously with sales being so far down and so I, I think it was just a great sense of urgency around the team it was it was something that franchisees were already doing in pockets so it was leveraging and and documenting that and getting it rolled out in a very timely and urgent manner. And ultimately 
it carried the deck. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that now will be a part of McAllister's for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely one of those silver linings is some of the new muscle everybody's kind of picking up along the way. How has this evolved? I mean, the service strategy, uh, of course, uh, over the course of the pandemic, um, it's been really a roller coaster because then dining rooms open up and then in a lot of places they close down again. Um, How have things evolved for McAllister's over the course of this last 10 or 11 months? And how have you adapted some even more muscle as it relates to service? So, uh, after the launch of curbside, we launched McAllister's Delivers, which is our first party delivery. And that, again, was enabled by the new digital platform, something we would not have had had we not made the transition. Uh, and that has also helped to drive sales. And then most recently, uh, we have launched Tableside, uh, which may seem a little counterintuitive, but Tableside was something we were evaluating a couple of years ago because when you look at our peak periods, there was always the challenge of moving the line. Uh, and we are not, would be, be considered a fast uh, concept. And we're working on that and making great progress. But we knew that giving people access to table side would improve convenience and potentially drive transactions at peak periods. So we were already considering that. But in light of the pandemic, having a contactless, you know, less friction in terms of the experience of just coming in, sitting down and basically ordering from the table, which is very similar to curbside in terms of placing your order and then entering a table number versus a parking space number uh, was something that was even more relevant now than it would have been even a year and a half ago. Mm. Uh, And so guest reaction uh, in our pilot over the fall was very encouraging. 85% of guests really loving the experience, 65% saying they'd come back even more often. And half of them were actually new downloads of the app. Hmm. Now we've rolled that out to roughly 250 restaurants. There'll be another hundred or so in the next 30 to 60 days. And uh, we're we're excited. It's off to a, a good start. And operationally, again, the team, you talk about how we stood up curbside, table side, Again, great work from the team in terms of how the order gets injected and put through to the kitchen display system so that because it is a new uh, service mode, if you will, because right now the good news for us is unlike other concepts, table service is part of our brand. It's always been a part of part of us. In fact, it's been the majority of our experiences with with guests. But for us, you know, having table service is, is, is a part of it. So, but it was an adjustment from a team member because now someone's not coming to the front of the house, placing the order, getting their beverage and taking their table number back to uh, their seat. Now it's, they're going right to the seat and it's coming through the kitchen display system. But the, the cool part is, is that uh, the team did a wonderful job thinking through the operational implications. I was in a restaurant just a few weeks ago talking with the general manager and he was walking me through how the order is flagged and they know to bring the beverage out. They actually know the person's name. Uh, and so you, you have that hospitality element still from a McAllister standpoint. And that has come off uh, very seamlessly. So uh, it's been, we're, we're really encouraged by it so far. 
I'm fascinated by this um, because, you know, something that has become pretty clear throughout the pandemic is that, uh, you know, it seems like all of the necessary pivots um, and, and all of the uh, adaptation of digital tools, um, which of course was already happening, but now has been really much expedited, but it really seems to kind of blow up the entire service structure of the restaurant industry. Because, you know, when you think about what you guys are doing, of course, you guys are in the fast casual category, but in, you know, now what you're doing is incorporating something that could be seen as a full service. I mean, honestly, you know, the QSRs, McDonald's could incorporate this at, you know, this kind of level of service. And then the only thing that would make it any different from a fine dining brand ultimately becomes kind of price and quality of the food. Of course, there's nuance to it too, but I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, uh, how does this change McAllister's focus on hospitality and service? You know, how can you really lean into this to offer essentially what is a full service experience at a fast casual price point? So I think all of this, you know, on the one hand, the number of service modes that we've had is more than doubled. You think about, you rewind the tape, it goes back to, oh, there was dine-in and carry-out. Mm-hmm. Then there was dine-in, carry-out, and delivery. Then there was dine-in, carry-out, delivery, curbside. And then you added our direct delivery. Then you add table side. Uh, and so it's, it's dramatically expanded. And so for us, it, it is educating those team members on how to leverage that technology so that we can actually increase our level of guest service because of that, not in spite of it. Mm. And so if you think about table side, uh, as that accelerates at, a, at certain points, it'll allow us to take people off registers and more towards serving guests, whatever that service mode may be. So we're excited about it. And, and yes, I think you know, the notion of offering that elevated service where you're able to just sit down and order, I think is it's gonna be fantastic. I think it's gonna be incredibly relevant for families which is a, a, a big target for us in terms of uh, someone who, who comes up very often. I don't know if you have children, but for me, having young children and standing in lines is not a pleasurable experience. <laughs> so no. Being able to go and sit down with your kids, uh, order at your convenience, I think it's going to be really big. I think it's right now, again, great reaction from teens and guests. Uh, it's picking up steam. I think it's something that will continue to accelerate over time. Uh, and we haven't really even gotten behind it from a promotional standpoint. So it's it's not a huge amount of sales, but I think it will build over time. And it is something like a lot of these service modes that will build an affinity for the brand in terms of the convenience that is associated not only just with being easier to use, but also you know the inherent brand equity that we have in terms of our of our hospitality and great food. Yeah, as a father of a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I 100% agree with you. And and, and thank you. Um, what does this do for you know talking about uh, all of this from a labor standpoint and thinking about curbside? You know, thinking about having first-party delivery. How does this change labor deployment in the typical McAllisters? So we again, similar to the digital platform, we had done an evaluation of our labor model prior to uh, COVID, and we had already identified opportunities for us to improve our speed of service uh, and redeploy labor. So specifically, we found that we were doing too much prep during peak, that we were not using a second line. We're very fortunate. I know a number of brands talk about installing a second line to accommodate uh, off-premise and increased volume. We already have those built in, Mm. but we weren't using them or we weren't deploying to them. Uh, And then I think, you know, from a front of the house standpoint, certainly there's a shift with 
third-party delivery, first-party delivery, table side, curbside. Uh, and, and so we've kind of put those two things together. We already knew where there was opportunity for redeployment of labor. And now it's been, if you will, it, it's been looked at as how do we deploy that against these new service modes? So back of house, it's, it's moved from prep to production. Front of house, it's moved to the different service modes, including table side, curbside, and delivery. So um, we, we've already prepped for that. And, and so fortunately for us, it's, it's not really a labor save. It's, it's really more of a redeployment and driving sales. And fortunately for us, we're now well above pre-pandemic levels. So mm-hmm. um, you know, even despite the fact that dine-in still only represents less than a third of our sales, uh, I think that's the, that is the data point that shows just how much of a pivot this was for us. Right. Well, you know, something, you know, thinking about too, just so your, your, your typical customers, your core demographic, I mean, talking about how you have lots of families who come, but I'm, I'm sure you have, you know, a lot of older customers. Um, one of the interesting things about this whole season has been that, you know, it's really forced pretty much all Americans to get comfortable with their digital tools, with their devices and having retail experiences through those, um, which of course I'm sure has its limitations, but broadly speaking, this has brought a lot more people up to speed on the digital experience than otherwise w- w- we're already participating in that. And I'm wondering for you guys, you know, first off, what does that look like? I mean, what does that make possible for you now that so many more people are using digital tools, but also how can you make sure this is still the McAllister's experience that they've always wanted to have? So it, it definitely has accelerated the adoption rate. Uh, for us, it, it, it began with putting in the new digital platform and loyalty program, which were dramatically enhanced. But for us, if you look at digital sales, uh, they have more than doubled uh, mm-hmm. over the last year. And our loyalty program in particular is seven times the size wow. uh, in terms of membership and participation as it was pre-COVID. So for us, I think it's about a couple of things. One, it's, it's greater guest intimacy. We know better what you like and what you want and can tailor those experiences and communications to you. So I think that's very much in line with, you know, the McAllister's of, of old, if you will, where uh, it's at many a restaurant and guests would walk in and people would, and our team members would be putting in their orders before they even reach the register because they, because they knew that. Well, this just enables and enhances that. Uh, and so I think there's always going to be those who will probably stay tried and true to the traditional McAllister's experience. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. This was just now give us another option for people. I, I will say, you know, from other brands that I've been heavy users of when there has been digital innovation, that's convenience and saves me time. It has a dramatic effect on my frequency. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is happening with, with McAllister's. It's still early. We're, we're not even a year into this new platform, but you know, we see the dramatic effect of what's, of what the digital platform has done for us in terms of driving sales. And so I'm excited about what the future holds for us, because I do think we can stay true to that hospitality and, and McAllister's experience. It's now going to be enabled, uh, not hindered by technology. Yeah, talking about that with the future and kind of what's what are some of the doors this opens up, you know, even beyond what you can do with data and the customer relationship. I mean, I'm sure this must have implications on real estate and the kind of footprint you're looking for and expansion. How, how does this change the trajectory for McAllister's? So it's a great question. And we had, again, a couple of years ago, come up with a new prototype and 
we went from call it a 4,000 square foot footprint down to 3,100 and, and put in a pickup window. And that has been deployed both from a remodel as well as a new unit standpoint significantly. And we've, we basically vetted that model and said, that is the way forward. Um, we're generating at or above average unit volumes with that format. But to your point, even now with the pandemic and trying to understand where dine-in will land, and then also accounting for increased efficiency through this technology in terms of throughput of guests, we are pushing to look at even smaller footprints, not just because of inefficiency and cost, but also from a real estate standpoint. Um, there are a significant amount of conversions available out there. And you know, fortunately for us, we opened uh, 24 restaurants in 2020 and only closed seven. So we had net unit growth and we have much bigger plans for this year. So it's also be, being opportunistic on that. At the same time, we do believe dine-in will come back. I don't believe it'll come back to the levels it once was, but we have seen it come up higher than even it is right now. Uh, it, it's recently fallen back somewhat with dining room closures and, and the surge in the pandemic here in early 2021. But that is a part of the McAllister's experience. People do want to sit and enjoy, and, and that is a part of our brand. And so we are, we're evaluating what is the right amount of dining room space right now. I mean, we certainly know at 3,100 square feet and 80 to 90 seats, that definitely works. Can we go smaller? Well, we're going to try. We're going to see what works, but we don't want to pursue smaller in, in, uh, in lieu of sales or the sacrifice of, of the guest experience that makes the brand so great. So uh, that, is, that is a work in progress, but we're definitely quite a bit smaller and more convenient than we were just a few years ago. Mm. Now, going back to the digital piece of this, um, you know, thinking about how much this has, again, really expedited the plans that most brands had for digital, you know, it was very common thing to say early in the pandemic that, you know, three, three or four years of innovation in digital had been expedited into about three or four months because everybody had just sort of raced to catch up. And, and now a question that I have now is, okay, well, what does that do for the blueprint for the future? So now that we've, you know, covered a lot of ground in the last last year with digital innovations, what becomes the next thing on the horizon? What are you looking at for the next couple of years specifically as it relates to digital innovation? Well, it's obviously continuing to grow the membership, which we're growing at double digits month over month and continue to. But then it's really how do you start to segment and tailor to key different guest profiles. So as we mentioned, families, uh, as we mentioned, potentially uh, older guests. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity there for us to continue to hone that. It's, it's been a, a race to build capabilities and engage our guest base as much as possible. And now it's how do we tailor and optimize? Um, and it's also offering things that are unique. So we recently launched a T-Pass, which is a subscription-based uh, tea program, if you will, that allows you one tea per day for the month for $6.99. And so it's early days on that, but we're encouraged by that as well. Those are types of things now that we can offer uh, that would appeal to different segments that we would not have been able to execute uh, in, a, in, in the fashion that we're, we're doing now. Mm -hmm. I, I want to make sure we, we circle back around to um, the first party delivery platform. Delivery, of course, has been a lifeline for so many restaurants. Um, and, and anymore just feels like it's a necessity. 
but of course, there's a real conversation around third party delivery and the fees. And it just seems like a, a, a kind of a mess, I guess, that we're all still sorting through how all of this is going to work to the, the best of the restaurant operation. First party delivery, of course, is, is one path to take, but there are lots of complexities to that, certainly some costs. How do you guys make first party delivery work and how are you kind of balancing that in tandem with the third party delivery? So uh, again, rewind the tape. I think one of the great things we did do was get point of sale integration with a couple of the large providers um, and working with our partner, Olo. And, you know, thank God we did because I don't know how with, with delivery going probably I guess it's almost 10 times where it was just a few years ago in terms of mix and volume, how we would have ever been able to execute that with, you know, four or five tablets on the wall, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with staffing strain that we have during the pandemic, I don't sure how we would have been able to execute that. So again, one of those things that we, we did early on and has really benefited us. You know, as it relates going forward and, and the margin pressure that it, that it applies, because it is very significant. It is the number one margin detractor right now, um, despite our really solid sales performance. Uh, it's evaluating pricing. It's evaluating bundles. It's evaluating the promotions that we can run on those platforms. And of course, uh, the first party piece. And so, yes, that was a big move for us. Uh, it has definitely been incremental. We're still sorting out in terms of understanding what is the balance between the two or the interaction between the two. So a lot still needs to be done, but I can tell you unequivocally that first party is is far more profitable um, in, in terms of us taking the order than, than third party. And so we're finding that balance and understanding what are the different guest segments and needs in and around that. Uh, but the good news for us is, is we can make money on both. Uh, and so it is really about saying, how do I extend those experiences to those that where it's most relevant and optimize the profitability as it relates to the unit level. Mm. All right. So 2020 was a transformational year for McAllister's. You guys got back to um, regular sales level by the end of the year. What does 2021 look like for you? What's on tap for this year? So 2021, we have, as I mentioned, uh, some pretty significant unit growth. On, on par, exploring those smaller footprints, accelerating that digital experience, you know, rolling out things like T-Pass, making sure that we're optimizing that guest experience. There's still opportunities for us to make that even more relevant. Um, and, and so we're excited about that continued, continued growth. And I think we're, we're back in a position to really accelerate ourselves to, to the next level, really looking to become the next billion dollar brand. Mm. All right, Joe, last question for you. Something I ask everybody in this season, uh, in the midst of this very stressful year, what is something that's been bringing you hope or encouraging you? I would say that our continued engagement with our team, our franchisees and our guests, it's interesting in a crisis how, you know, we, I think we've done a really good job by increasing communication on all fronts. Uh, with my, with our team, with our team members, with our guests, with our franchisees. And quite frankly, that's brought us closer together. And we've found ways to work together in a way that's not only faster, but actually delivering better value on all fronts. And so I think that is the silver lining I would, I would take away from this. And we're very fortunate 
having been a dine-in concept that is now reconfigured ourselves that with only a third of our business being dine-in, we're now back and above where, where we were before. And so I'm excited at what, you know, what the future brings. I'm sorry to see what it's done to the industry. Um, but I believe that McAllister's, the future is very bright. And so we're excited for what 2020 holds, 2021 holds, sorry. Yeah, yeah, silver linings indeed. Hey, Joe, I really appreciate your time today and appreciate your insights. Good luck to you guys in all this and be well. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I appreciate your time.